questions. Could you please review the instruction regarding how to access and use wise attention? Often there is not a strong experience happening as a feeling of simply being lost when I ask myself, how am I now? It can be quite desolate. So, so this I suggested a sequence of um, um, heedfulness, vigilance, or and this quality is, is like the, I call it the pause moment. Most of our experience of, of experience is always unfolding, moving. If you noticed shifting and changing and there's generally a certain trajectory even if it zigzags it's, it's it, it sort of picks up momentum and then it lunges off in one direction and it kind of hovers and then it jitters around and it swoops and jumps and then dives and sort of meanders so it's generally moving along every now and there's a kind of volitional twitch to it that kicks it along a little bit further mm. yeah so some fresh input kicks the wheel and it spins a bit further and then maybe we don't like the way it's spinning so we try and kick it in the opposite direction so it's sort of all this goes on <laughs> uh, perhaps this is news to you but <laughs> <laughs> so the pause moment is just well let's just, just get off the track for a while for a moment just mm, so it's like a lifting Oh, wow. So even that, what I've just described, is it comes from a pause, is it? We're not actually in in the topic or taking sides with one movement or another or trying to stop the movement or wonder where it came from or anything. It just, aha, uh-huh, was an aha uh-huh lifting. and Wow, this this is what's flowing along. This is what how experience is happening. Now with... Deep attention or wise attention, Yoni Somani Sikara, then as we pause, what's important now? What's the main theme now? What's the overriding tendency now in all this? It could be just sort of busy or active or restless or a lot of movement or repeating or stuck or or it could be an emotional tone to it, such as confused or foggy. And ideally, if one can make that as as non-pejorative as possible, just like it's looking at a creature, chitta moving, just like you're looking at uh, an animal moving along. You know, it's sort of, oh, there it is. So it's just contemplating whether it's fast or slow or lumpy or whatever it is. Anything in that that seems the most significant piece, which when you even mention the word, you can feel a certain resonance. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. There's a sort of shivering or resonance of getting it. So then we find the, the handle or the one one word that does that. 
so that one word could be uh, shivery or don't know mm. or even as this person suggests lost, desolate mm. nothing much is going on oh yeah well lost and desolate seems to be going on so it isn't always what we think it is it's not oh my mind is very busy it could be just the, the, the mood the temperature the climate just feels rather bleak actually that's it wow oh uh-huh that's what's happening it's not necessarily a, the the most noisy movement mm. so but what's the piece when you name it that you get it uh-huh and it enters the heart enters chitta you don't always get this right incidentally but you just you know it's like you know, pinning the tail on the donkey, that game. You know, you sort of <laughs> But you probably get quite close, and you might try another one. Oh, no, no, it wasn't quite that. It was more, you know, something else. So that's that's the what I'm using, or in this example, using this wise attention to get to the point. A point isn't necessarily a thought, or an image, or a topic. It could be a, a mood. Mm. And then, so then, how 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 is that, and how can I be with that? Where do you, how what is mindfulness of that? What is this framing it? What is the right kind of frame? Framing sounds rather mechanical, but actually one thing to bear in mind with this is that people by and large tend to swing it to extremes. One is we go right close up to something and peer into it. What's all this about? What's all this about? Why do I feel this way? And it's much too close and intense. Or the other way we go the opposite, it's like, I wonder if this is because of past karma and a previous existence. So it's really so off, so way out, it's not really touching it. But there's a, somewhere, there's a place where you place attention, where it's just held lightly, clearly, without pressure, without probing, without fiddling with it, you know? Mm. There's a skill in that, in, play, in placing mindfulness of, of chitta. Now, this is what mm, the good friend, now certainly if you have a, a good friend who you can talk to, they will probably be able to do that. They won't be going, oh dear, cheer up, never mind. They'll be going, or, oh, well, you know, I've heard that kind of thing happens to a lot of people. Looking at the sky, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's quite common because of this urban development, you know, some sort of philosophical piece. There'll be somewhere like, mm, yeah, uh-huh. Perhaps not saying that much at all. But you feel the sense of an empathic presence there. It's a light not very verbal, 
holding the space. And that's the function of, of wise attention, establishing mindfulness in the, in the, in the right place. So that chitta is allowed, is held carefully, lightly, respectfully also. So it can speak, it can finish its, what it has to feel, move through. That's all we need. We don't even need to understand it. So the idea that here I'm going to go and understand it, or I'll get in there and release it, I'm going to do some releasing now. I've, no, no, you need to get out. <laughs> uh, it's not fix it, release it, analyze it, understand it. Just just hold the space and let it do its thing. Let it sort itself out. And by and large, what is necessary uh, as a, as a asset to that is that the mindfulness is well-prepared, established in embodiment. Mm-hmm. Embodiment, you know, you perhaps you, we think we understand it, we may get an understanding of it. It's not the physical body I'm talking about. It's a sense of groundedness that, that certainly, you know, is sensed in, an embo- in a bodily way. You may even relate to certain areas of the body like your chest or your back or your spine. It's, a, it's kind of like a, uh, a channel or, a, or a, uh, a quality that can be felt within the body. And certainly mindfulness of body, as you cultivate it, you can sense the sense of the body as a living, vital presence there. Now, this it, is not the flesh, but it's not, not as it's separate from it. It's a kind of vitality there. Yeah, and that, that is very much connected to the chitta, to the heart mind, to awareness. It's connected to that, where we feel uh, strong emotions. We definitely feel it flushing through the through the body. When we feel calmed and relieved, we feel that our shoulders drop. We sigh. Uh, we feel it in the body. So this particular, kind of like an intelligence there. And so when the jitter has been established in that way, then it feels it's got a friend, it's got protection, it's got a backer, it's got a guardian, it's got something that grounds it. And if it doesn't, what it would do is it will jump out and start going to abstractions. I should... What can I do? I feel so this, I feel so that. It goes to that. Mm. And though this is very uh, common um, experience for people, is an experience, there's a, there's a power, there's a feeling, an emotion or something like that, or a felt sense, and then the, the, the chitta just jumps, and then it's running up, and these kind of, where do I go, what's most to do, or we come into strategies that we may have learned, you know, in our minds just, you know, and even though they are the right ideas, they don't have the backing of embodiment, so they don't have the, the effect. So even though you know, 
in your head, if you don't know it in your body, it doesn't work. Hmm? But if there is that embodiment, there's a sense of a presence and a steadiness there, and the breathing through that allows the jitters, the, the movements of the jitter to be sensed, felt, and almost uh, earthed, like a like a like electricity. And, uh, this is why it's said uh, one does not the path the deathlessness is closed is to those who don't have mindfulness of body. All the um, just as all the streams empty into the ocean, all kinds of of wisdom lead into uh, mindfulness of body. So it's uh, it's the kind of basic requirement. So here in this example, the questioner mentions, "I don't feel anything very much." Except being lost. Well, that's quite a. Mm, when I ask myself, "How am I now?" It can be quite desolate. Well, that's a that's a presence, isn't it? Mm. And what does that need? Mm. So when we, uh, you know, touch the chitta, touch this emotive feeling, effective sense, the response is not how do I change it or what do I do about it, the the response is what does it need from me? What does it need? That's that's the kind of uh, way of, 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 of relating to these experiences. So often the, we, the, uh, the, the forces of ignorance and uh, tanha and papancha, this abstracting process which uh, divorces us from the felt experience into abstractions we go up into our heads and think about it, um, that that we in fact lose heart that moment. We leave heart. It is too difficult to be there. Or we don't know, or we, you know, so there's a jump away from that into abstraction. And this happens so many times. And sometimes then what comes back is a kind of lashback onto the jitter, like shut up, stop it, behave yourself, quieten down, don't be so silly. Well, you know, you treat your chitter like that. You know, what do you think it's going to do? <laughs> it's not going to feel too happy with you, is it? So you have like this transpersonal quality of, of chitta, which is just, that's what it is. There it is. And we have a personal formation which arises from the chitta. A personal formation is like something that everyone cultivates, or is cultivated in everyone. You, you, you start off very small, you don't have much, and then gradually it accumulates, it builds up over the months and years. And it's like a film. 
like a skin that deals with how how this mobile volatile experience of chitta can be moderated so it meets the social world in the right way in a way because the social world expects certain norms to be adhered to uh, expects certain behaviors to occur expects certain protocols to be followed expects certain you know languages to be used and so this then this is what the personality does. It's it's the form that handles that. It's like the secretary that translates both the impulses of the chitta, presents it out in an acceptable way, you know, like I'm feeling a little bit stressed right now, when actually the chitta's going, <laughs> you know, it comes out in an acceptable way, and, and similarly, um, you know, whatever comes in comes through that, that personhood, we receive things, and there is a, a, a you know a difficult topic really because you know the person receives all kinds of Im- impressions from the world around, and unconditioned love is not the major impression that it receives, and so you know that that definitely is sensed and the chitta senses that uh, it's it's not uh, there's some difficulties there so it's a little bit cautious and withheld you know don't do this otherwise you'll be shamed or, or ignored or pushed or left out mm. and the fundamental pain of jitta is the withdrawal of love the withdrawal of communion withdrawal of acceptance and that withdrawal can happen pretty quickly uh, on a personal level you know and people do this to each other sometimes without even realizing they're doing it there's a sense of well forget you you know Uh, or or, and and so that and then that, that interpersonal can leave these effects in the in the chitta, in the heart. Mm. In fact, quite a lot of the problems of chitta are really not your fault as such. They are uh, they're relational. They come through. Um, experiences in relationship with other beings or with groups or you know all that that's what we learn as human beings essentially we learn from other humans how to be human and uh, humans aren't always on top form in terms of modeling the best aspects of humanity so we learn those messages and and Jimmy learned how to defend or or duck or or bluff or mask or shield. So this goes on, and then all that definitely happening on the skin of the of the chitta. Certainly, those effects uh, carry through to uh, the withdrawal of of love of communion 
of acceptance, of mutuality. Mm. And that's painful. And sometimes very painful. There's almost nothing nothing that we can't bear with if we are if we are somehow in communion. Like if three of us together sharing a difficulty you feel a lot better. Mm. If there's some collectedness, if there's isolation, that's where the suffering really bites. You are alone, you're out there, you know, that that withdrawal. Because jitta essentially is a relation has a relational quality. If the relationship is terminated, it's like a bit. It's like something gets cut, cut off. A relationship must have some sense of fellow feeling. You know, you know, we relate. That is how are you? You know, we take in now that. When I say love, I mean this in a very primary level of sympathy, mutuality, empathy, fellow feeling, res- mutual respect. If that is taken away, there's certainly there's a big loss for the chitta, loss of heart, and people die of it, actually. It definitely has physiological effects. People get very depressed, and people die of that. So there's the personal, and we said chitta is somehow transpersonal because it it shares and it comes alive particularly uh, when there's a feeling of of empathy and sharedness with others it's sort of it's not really contained within the person packet person packet is the is where it gets packaged in so many of the disturbances that we think oh there's something wrong with me i shouldn't feel this way well actually still one is staying inside the person packet and and that isn't going to help the jitta the jitta is not contained with the, and its its pains are not and its 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 um its pains are universal actually this is the common pain and its resolutions resolving that are not done through the person the person cannot do that because the person is a subset of the jitta but the person can inquire can ask can enter can say what's happening how is it now Mm. what's needed and that quality of kindliness you know I mean, this is kindliness. Is just to say what's needed, what's helpful. That that's what we call metta. <laughs> it's not, you know, that's the basis of it. Yeah. Rather than why don't you shut up or do you know behave yourself or quieten down. So this is, you know the way that the general atmosphere and mood of our practice is this quality of, of goodwill and kindness. Mm. Quite unsentimental, just because it's practical. 
Yeah. You don't have to like, but you have to have that quality of friendliness, otherwise it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So when we bear things in mind, we bear in mind the fundamental quality of citta, which is emotive, which is uh, affected by goodwill and ill will, affected by pressure, affected by space, affected by generosity, that's you have to hold it in that in the in the healthy way. And then it will definitely respond. So this is a way of just clear clearing um, these these obstructions. And as you know, obviously the questioner has my sympathy, uh, can be quite desolate. Um, yes, it can. What's needed? So to follow, perhaps to follow on from that, um, approach to your approach to Dhamma, next um, question, your approach to Dhamma practice feels suffused with metta. We're supposed to be collecting these for some purpose, and I've forgotten what. Um, when you look back in time, how has metta entered your practice? How have you, do you cultivate metta? For example, the traditionally taught repetition of phrases such as may I be well, etc. or otherwise. Mm. Well, I think you get the point after a little, after a while. I my my started practice in a pretty intensive way, yeah, and um, so I hadn't done any meditation. I did 15 minutes, and then I went to a monastery, and they just put me in a little hut on my own for, for three years. <laughs> okay, you want to meditate? Meditate, there it is. So, so this has got a deep end approach, and we were... <laughs> there was no conversation, no talking, no socializing, no work, just sit there. And no pujas, no meal together, just food is brought to you, sit in the hut. And we were, eventually we were allowed out uh, on, on, <laughs> on arms round, which was at least something, some sense of contact otherwise, other than with your own mind, which is climbing up walls and so on. So this, we were doing the Burmese Satipatthana method, whereby you, you note what's going on and you move very slowly. So we're on our own and sort of move very slowly. And so this was pretty intense stuff, nobody to talk to. Uh, just sit there and you know noting what's going on. And so, and with a kind of, uh, I suppose the idea was, well, I'll. I'll get to do this meditating 
get learn, learn this how to meditate, get this done, and then that's it. Go off back on my merry way with a with a, some sort of skills base, something like that. Then uh, eventually, well, maybe I'll do this enlightened thing. Take me <laughs> two or three months, probably. I was quite patient, two or three months. So you get this, and there's so really more efforts required to keep holding the mind on that point, keep really put more effort in to hold the mind on the point and keep doing this thing. It, after a while, you realize, you know, after a while, you begin to get, look, you know, you better start being nice to yourself because you just things are getting pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> Uh, and so much effort and drive and and uh, uh, and no softness so it's, it comes in jitta begins to make its needs known There's uh, often for many people there's really a big topic around the issues of making effort and and striving and you know getting the right kind of energy to to realise the goal uh, you know that language and a sense of feeling comfortable and balanced and steady in one in oneself. Mm. You know, we can feel, I don't want to just kind of sit here doing nothing, you know. I've got this chance, this precious chance to realize Nibbana, liberation, let's get going. But, uh, of course, yeah, we don't realize what you have to get going. We think it's just one thing, maybe attention. But, yeah, you have to get going. But what you have to get going is kindness, goodwill, patience, uh, letting go. Uh, you have to get you have to get your chitta going. <laughs> you can't. It's not about just getting your willpower going. You, know, you have to get your your chitta going. Chitta is the source. It's the problem. It's also the solution. It's the none of us are void of health and. Uh, enlightenment factors there are human potential they may not be completely fulfilled but there is that otherwise we would not be here at all we'd be insane because there is that one has to bring the wholeness of the, the jitta into the practice and perhaps first of all before we get too much into driving forward let's actually understand the vehicle what what is this? The jitter is that which is liberated. What is it? So that involves a certain pausing, opening, unpacking, and you know, getting it in trim. And the uh, metta or friendly attitude has to be part of that, because the jitter is only touched by the qualities of, of intention. Mm. It's that which, so your intention, 
you, you know, if your intention is not appropriate, it doesn't it doesn't respond well. Now, kindness can be firm kindness, like firm parenting. No, stop. That's we've been there before. It didn't feel good. Let's just put that down. That's still kindness. It's it's an attitude. It's not it's not a sentiment. So the, this growth, because all these terms, mindfulness, kindness, it's so easy to think we understand what they mean. You know, and in fact, you know, you can easily go through a Pali dictionary and find out what they mean, and you'd have a word. And you think that's what it is, because verbally it is. But actually the depth of what that signifies doesn't come immediately. It has to be explored and fulfilled in a way. Jitta is the place. Entering the jitta is the place where you begin to get the deep understanding of what goodwill really means, of what um, sati really means, of what wisdom really means. They're not concepts. They're not theories. They're particularly tech, carry particular energies that have to be held and balanced carefully. So it's an ongoing process. Beauty of it is that uh, when you, you know, one of the phrases of to do with goodwill to around in all directions to others as myself, um, you learn it in in being with others. You learn it when others present that to you. You get the tone, you know, and you, you, you learn the tone. What's it like when someone is spontaneously kind, sympathetic to you? What does that feel like? What's it someone somebody says, oh, I'll give you a hand, I'll help you. Didn't have to. What's that like? What's it like when someone looks at you and and they light up with happiness to see you. What's that like? These are not unknown experiences, are they? That's what it's like. Now, what about, you know, can you do it to others? Can, Can it happen through you when you're not nervous or frightened or think it's not worthwhile or worried about that or this or the other? It's quite natural. And now, Receive that. What's it like to be seen, felt in that way? And so one exercise I find quite useful every day is to recollect, perhaps at the end of the day, sometime, so I often do particular recollections at the end of the day, just recollect any acts that were that tone. And, uh, you know, I'm never, I'm never lost to notice some gesture of goodwill from other human being. What's it feel like? They didn't have to. What's it feel like? So it's 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 the human medium.
It's not that it's something that, uh, you know, when you begin to sense it as a, as a common human medium, the really surprising thing is, how did you ever forget it? <laughs> how did you ever lose it? Not what brings it into presence. What takes it away? What, why, when it isn't it there? And if, and very often, as in many cases, the Buddhist approach is not so much creating something as understanding what obstructs and removing that. So what obstructs that flow? Fear? Uh, inattention, um, delusion, uh, you know, uh, impatience, um, seeing somebody as an object, indifference, who are you, gardener, driver, cook, you know, seeing somebody as a label, that's what obstructs it. You know those? And when you do that to yourself, that's what obstructs it when you take yourself as an object, as a something that should be. That's what stops it. If you see and recognize the painfulness of that and, you know, and how if that can be put aside, you know, life is just a lot richer and better. You get, you, you see how it happens, how it's obstructing, how it, is released, then you you notice the moments when it's you're about to obstruct it because you're doing that that process. You're obstructing and stop stop seeing yourself as an object that should be. Mm-hmm. Others and yourself. This is the, generally the way I practice. It's not, you know, as a form. It's it's certainly, um, you know, worthwhile, admirable, just to reflect upon people who one does feel uh, gratitude to, to to just the light, light the the flame, as it were. You get a kindling of people you feel benefactors, guardians, caregivers who that naturally naturally arises. They have been good to me. You recollect actions, uh, and then those who you can also feel quite easily kindly disposed to. So you can do this as a form. I tend to do it sort of informally. Um, just look at the day, uh, take up the signs, and then notice whenever I do this to myself. Whenever I start saying, seeing myself as a thing who should be something. (laughs) It's quite plausible, but no. There's another way of being here that's, that's, that's a little better. Would you speak on renunciation, nikamma? So nikamma, karma is the word is to do with uh, the senses, the external senses, sense doors. And nikamma is a movement away from 
um, feeding on on senses, the senses, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body. Nikama. So this is um, a natural uh, an inclination that occurs as one begins to feel the richness of food for the heart, such as kindness, goodwill, gratitude, generosity, virtue, you name it, the barami. You start to feel satisfied, fed, uh, uh, you know, enriched by that. Therefore, you know, sense contact really isn't such a big deal. It doesn't quite hit the mark um, in the same way that these heart qualities do. Basically because the chitta cannot, cannot feed on the senses. It feeds on the feeling, the perceptions, the mental perceptions that arise from the senses, the interpretations of it. So we see something and it's signified as attractive or delightful. Actually, the eye doesn't do that. The eye, does, the eye just sees something and the mind infers uh, beauty or attractiveness or you know, desirability in it. The mind, that's a, that's, the mind creates a kind of glow perception. There's a particular glow that occurs. That's mental. And it's, so deriving from the sense contact is this triggering of this kind of glow that occurs when we see a cinnamon bun or something. Um, oh, oh. But you know, you can't actually pack a cinnamon bun into your mind. So you put it in your mouth. <laughs> and it doesn't last. <laughs> and it probably doesn't quite do exactly what the glow said it would do. And after where you, if you track the process, you begin to get it. Oh, mm, yeah. It's actually not the sight, not the object itself, but it's this particular kindling of a, of a delight quality. That's what the chitta likes. It wants that. But it's actually quite brief. And, and it all, when it comes dependent upon sense contact, it's relatively brief. It's a sort of flare. And actually, after the fifth cinnamon bun, it doesn't occur at all. <laughs> and what happened, you know? So we do some, have another one of something else. So it can do, go like that, because the glow can move from one place to another. Now, Jitta feeds on that, on that glow as best it can. Now there's actually a deeper warming effect that is, is, is richer food that is generated through the, the chitta itself. This is called um, happiness which is born of withdrawal from unskillful states. So whenever there's a withdrawal from hatred, greed, malice, jealousy, fear, bitterness, you know, worry, doubt, the jitter feels, oh, it's nice. 
there's a subtle quality of that, then if that quality is tuned into and is embodied through, through breathing and through fully feeling it, that quality magnifies and amplifies to a very satisfied uh, quality of pleasure. And the description of this is that uh, the Buddha says there's not one pore of the entire body that's not drenched and in this pleasure, the pleasure which is generated through withdrawal from unskillful states. The entire body radiates with that. So when there's that, you don't really have a big thing about cinnamon buns or any of it. Now that that's so renunciation is that recognition of that and you know moving to that. So um, you know it can sound like it's all very cold, but actually it's just the transferring of food where the chitter is fed from. Um, areas which are perhaps more mottled and, uh, and and temporary into something more fulfilling and sustainable, if you can do it, of course. But this is one of the one of the qualities, one of the directions we cultivate in meditation, because if you if that if that comes around it really does transform one's axis. You know, you incline towards, oh, no thanks, I don't really need that, that's fine. Yeah, it's okay, no, I don't really need that, <laughs> I'm okay. You know, you get a sense of moving out of the consumer um, field. And one feels this happiness, lightness. Mm. Now, you know, naturally, Okay, so some in a form lifestyle is is based around renunciation. The uh, the field of of lay folk is is whatever their individual tastes and preferences are. The field of it is not built on renunciation. It's based uh, uh, around other things, and it gets definitely highly highly steeped in consumerism and and you know buying things. And that becomes sort of indoctrination. So how does one go against that? How does one... Well, certainly, we have to check, pause, uh, reflect, and if we, if we develop on retreats and in meditation, we can develop this alternative source of well-being. Um, develop it yourself, talk about it with others, meet together, enjoy each other's company, do good things, feel happy, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of simple stuff, but you, you've got to create a counterculture. It's very difficult to do purely on one's own because you've got this enormous cultural pull going in another direction. And then just notice the, 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 the glow fairy and it lands on all kinds of stuff and you know, oh, there she is again. You know, careful. So you begin to to recognise that, and rather than be adhered to it, you kind of you see the danger. Buddha's called the danger of it, the hazard, because it is very hypnotic. 
So the role of did someone asks here, could you discuss the role of delight in the path, which should be cult- when should it be cultivated and when let go of? Um, or delight is, you know, um, there are so many words that are used in in the Buddhist lexicon, and I imagine what you're talking about is something like rapture and happiness, piti sukha. So, so that is to be cultivated in order to counteract the the hindrances, the effects of the hindrances, the traces of the hindrances. We can so if we can imagine that that the chitta will flow down the most predominant tracks, the most deeply etched tracks, like like a like a fluid, and it will run down the path for the tracks that are most deeply engraved, that most habitual. So, you know, if our habitual tendency is worry or negativity or cynicism or self-criticism, then the jitter easily runs down that a drop of a hat, you know, rushes down it. So when we medit when we're meditating, we're kind of deliberately blocking those channels uh, or turning away from those channels and developing other channels. Puja, sila, metta, dana, all that. Composure, breathing in, breathing out, so forth. We're developing other things. And those qualities become authorized by pleasure. You know, we're quite simple creatures, really, that we follow what's pleasant. And um, so pleasure, give, <laughs> pleasure gives authority. We obey pleasure and we obey pain. Um, so when we begin to recognize, you know, qualities that give a sense of, of pleasure that are skillful, that we feel no regret around, that don't, give us hangovers or burnouts or harm anybody or cost anything or you know then we go for it uh, and that's it means that we get reset the chitta begins reset from these negative karma to agreeable karma agreeable karma has a good feeling associated with it Agreeable karma feels good. It's not just morally correct, it feels good. And it's important to recognize the feel-good quality of it. It's not just correct. It should feel good. If it doesn't feel good, it hasn't really, you haven't really embedded in it yet. You haven't really drunk it and you haven't made use of it. You should absorb it till, till it makes you feel good. <laughs> then it's going to be it's going to gain authority, right? So re- reflect a lot, wisely attend to, to skillfulness, take it into the heart, how's this feel? <clears throat> to avoid harming, to put aside cruelty, doesn't that give you dignity, value, self-respect? Is that good? Does that feel good? Mm. things like this yeah. and of course we meditate 
And part of the aim of meditation is to feel good. To feel these qualities of calm and uh, ease and absence of pressure and simplicity, freedom from obstructions. This is supposed to feel good, <laughs> make you happy. Uh, and, and if you haven't looked at that aspect of it, then we, you've deprived yourself of one of the main aims because it's the, the feeling, the pleasant feeling, definitely creates a a momentum, the jitter will then go there and it then it loses track and it loses touch with negative karma gross negativity that is those dry up you know, those tendencies dry up because it's gone the other way this is the point of piti and sukha that these then become these are embodied qualities um, and the body itself begins to release some of its tension, its somatic distortions. We can feel trapped in our chests or locked in our bellies or shut down in our throats. And that starts to, to peel off and you feel very nice. Um, and it's uh, skillful. It should not be let go, nothing is let go of, things become unnecessary. They, they, they fall off when they're no longer needed. Mm. Letting go isn't an action that you do, it's something that occurs when that's finished. There's enough of that. Uh, and so this uh, quality of piti sukha, when it's done its work, Strange enough, something in the jitter feels, I'd like to just be a little bit quieter. That'd be nice. Just a little quieter would be nice. So then the, 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 the pleasure subsides into something more equanimous. Okay, I think that's enough for this evening. Thank you. Why don't you have uh, some time to loosen up? And then we'll regroup to strive onwards.